Greetings. You have tuned into the Better With Booze Film Club, a podcast where three film buffs watch films which they have not seen before and then foist their opinions on you, the listener. Proceed with caution and do not take their opinions as expert. They are barely professionals in their own careers. You have been warned. One, two, three, four... Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Better With Booze Film Club podcast. I'm Cameron, and joining me, as per usual, are my two co-hosts. He is the only living human who doesn't claim to know where Jimmy Hoffa is buried. It's Glenn. Well, howdy, folks. And she makes paper mache cats with her mind. It's Sarah. Hello. And together we go in search of forgotten films, for better or, as often the case may be, for worse. And this week, we found a real treat in the form of a horror film from 1976 called The Town That Feared Sundown. My own personal excitement levels going into this were quite high as the film is directed by Charles B. Pierce, whose bad movie masterpiece Boggy Creek 2 and The Legend Continues is both ironically and ironically one of my very favorite bad films. This film uh, arrives... Before the peak of uh, his bad film career, however, it comes, uh, I believe, eight years before Boggy Creek 2 in 1976, and it opens in Texarkana in the 1940s. It claims to tell the real-life story of the 1946 Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Uh, Texarkana can be best described as any town USA, according to the film. Indeed, Mr. Voiceover Man is really doing the hard sell on behalf of the tourism board. Why not make Tex your next vacation Texarkana? Well, March 3rd, 1946, that's why. For that's the date in which the car carrying a couple of indeterminate-aged children or teens or possibly full adults pulls into shot. They have gone to Lover's Lane in order for the guy to lay his head on the lap of the girl and then really just complain for a bit. Unfortunately, this steamy romance is disturbed by a man with a bag over his head with two eye holes cut out. The male occupant of the vehicle makes a valiant attempt to ease the situation by yelling, Hey, mister, you've got the wrong car. <laughs> Somehow this strategy fails to work, and the masked man breaks the window and drags the negotiator out through it. He then gets into the car with the woman, and the scene comes to an end. As it turns out, both passengers survive, because I guess our murderer is just sort of easing his way into it at this point. Uh, because no one actually got killed, the powers that be settle on a plan of action that involves just warning young people from parking on lonely roads. Why they had to call out the road's emotional state like that is beyond me. <laughs> Interestingly, this does not work, and three weeks later, another couple is attacked. This time, uh, having gotten the feel for it, our mask-wearing villain actually manages to notch his first two murders. At this point, the sheriff realizes that merely telling young people not to do something is not a sound strategy. <laughs> and so he calls in the help of a famous criminal investigator, back when famous criminal investigators were a thing. 
He and his sidekick, a deputy sheriff who discovered the two bodies after the second attack, get to work. Somehow the deputy has a theory that the killer attacks every 21 days. How he came up with this after only two attacks is anyone's guess. But what falls 21 days after the last attack? The high school prom, because of course it does. Now, a sound plan of action would have been to cancel the prom, or indeed just move it to a different day. The police decide on a less conventional plan, which I will not give away here, lest anyone want to seek out the film and find out on their own. (laughs) And what happens next is exactly what you would think would happen next. Yes, we've got two dead teens on our hands. And trust me when I say that the method of death in the killing of one of those teens is worth the price of admission. (laughs) The final attack takes place on May 3rd. For those of you doing the math, he's now off his 21-day schedule. The super investigator and his deputy sidekick finally catch a break and track the killer to a sand pit. But he gets away, partially through the use of a moving train. Thankfully, there was a cameraman conveniently located on the train (laughs) who could capture the whole thing. Mr. Voiceover Man returns to tell us the killer was never captured and tells us the life stories of the rest of our characters who are still alive. Oh, and we also get a shot of the Texarkana Theater premiering the town that dreaded showdown, uh, the town that dreaded sundown, and reality as we know it ceased to exist. (laughs) And that's the story of the town that dreaded sundown. Uh, So let's get into talking about this, and we start every review with a moment of optimism, where we each (laughs) pick one thing about the film that we actually enjoyed. And this week, we will start with Sarah. <clears throat> um. Okay, moment of optimism. I would say I actually did really like the deputy who was um, the lead investigator's assistant. A- Andrew, 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 Andrew Prime. Prime. Prime yeah. I actually really liked him. I good. thought he did a good job. I don't think he hammed it up in any yep. way. A lot of the other cast definitely hammed it up quite a bit in places, but he he played it pretty believably. I mean, he yeah. was reasonably haunted by what was going on. He made a couple of deductive leaps that were a bit ridiculous. Like the whole three <laughs> weeks thing. It's like, okay, it happened one time that it was three weeks apart, and then it started deviating. So is it maybe just not a pattern? Um, but he, I thought he was very earnest. He was very believable. And overall, I thought his performance was very good. So if I had to pick a standout, it would be him. And I would point out he and Ben Johnson are kind of the two marquee names oh, in yeah. the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, Don Wells is known because of Gilligan's Island. Mm-hmm. That was about it. Yeah. But that's your, the rest of them were probably local actors. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Or part of the Charles B. Pierce acting troupe. troupe. Which makes them local actors. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Uh, Glenn. Uh, well, I'm a big fan of Ben Johnson. So mm. I just having him, him in any movie, mm-hmm. I always like it. I like just like the way he presents himself. I like him. He's very believable. So the highlight for me was getting to watch Ben Johnson do a crappy movie and still <laughs> actually look good doing it. it. Yeah, I will say those two performances are both good. My my thing would probably be that the film actually looked quite good. It I did. mean, it was probably it the best quality film we've watched yes, in, a, in a long time. Um. I mean, that's kind of damning with faint praise, but there you go. Uh, and now on to our general discussion. Hmm. I will I will say that I have a particular soft spot in my heart for Charles B. Pierce, and this was a very Charles B. Pierce film, and I actually think he's, he's not a bad director. Mm-hmm. It's just parts of his films are bad. Mm-hmm. And he's a bad storyteller. He's not he's a great not a, storyteller. Yeah, I would agree with that. Was, and, and certainly if he has anything to do with the script writing, he's not a good script <laughs> Yeah, writer. and he typically did write yeah. some of his things. Um, I thought the, the 
the story itself could have been told pretty and i mean okay yeah it was pretty bad <laughs> I, there was a, there's a degree of it in which charles b pierce the director is also an actor in the film oh, in which he plays God. the comic relief character and i don't know i think if they would have cut out the comic relief parts of the it film, would have been a better film it would have been a better and 100%. possibly even been a good film yeah I will also go on and say this is actually considered, along with the original Boggy Creek, which is actually a good film. Mm -hmm. I mean, legitimately a good film. And this are like his two best known films. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we say we pick sort of obscure bad films. This is relatively well known among the, certainly among the cult sort of circles, but it, yeah. it was, it's yeah. kind of his, one of his two well known offerings. Um, and again, there, I, I liked portions of it but again I, I have a hard time deciding whether i like it because it was good or whether i like it because it's charles b pierce fair it's hard to stay objective. i didn't like him in the film though no. so there there is that yeah no yeah i would agree i think the two things that i would say completely took me out of it repeatedly because it did have all the earmarks of what could have been a decent horror film it was kind of right there yeah but i think the fact that it shied away from it by adding a lot of completely unnecessary comic relief because how often do good horror films also have comic relief it's yeah. rare the whole point is to get you to the edge of your seat and keep you there mm -hmm. for 90 minutes and the 2014 Dale and Tucker versus evil yeah, there you go that's true there are some good exceptions that can be very well done and like all of those shots of the dead and well and i think if this movie had opted to like find the balance of being a little bit campy that would have been fine but it felt like it was trying to be really really serious yeah. up until it would have the ridiculous comic those. relief yeah. and the soundtrack oh my god like yeah. the jaunty tune for the final like finale chase scene was ridiculous the whole car chase scene was insane um the one cop should have been fired i don't know about five minutes into the film but they keep him on for comic relief um and I, again i think it could have been a good horror film i do kind of think it was like right there but the decision with the all of the unnecessary comic relief some of the plot points in terms of like this is just bad investigative work and supposedly he's the most legendary sheriff they've ever seen just sort of created quite a disconnect um so yeah i think it 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 was it was almost good i mean i think it combines the good elements of boggy creek with the bad of elements of boggy creek too <laughs> so it's sort of the midpoint between them um yeah yeah, and even the death scenes were a little bit like, oh, but oh my I will God, say can we the, just cut to the chase? The actual yeah. bad guy, horror guy in it was quite good. Yes, solid. And Creepy, I thought it was, he was quite intense in parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there's, it's it's funny. I have the same soft spot for Charles B. Pierce that Cam does. And I mean, I saw Boggy Creek when it came out the in Boggy theaters. Creek, the original or Boggy the Creek The original. <laughs> I, I argue the original is actually a good film. I, I, it scared me when I was a kid. Yeah. I wouldn't sit in front of a window after that movie. Like, because that's like the creature comes smashing okay. through a window and I had the same thing like, after I played the first Resident Evil game. <laughs> oh. With the dogs at the, the beginning. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I loved Boggy Creek. And so I guess I got my start with Charles Pierce early. And See, I started with Boggy Creek too. Well, and we watched that together <laughs> yeah, too. So it's, that it's was been a long a journey great for me. One. And I had, I'm what I'm surprised about is that I had never seen this. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a little surprised by, by that too. By all chances, I should have seen this movie. I should have like sought it out and loved it. But I don't know for some reason I never saw it. Um, I had a lot of fun watching it though. And again, it could have been a great. It mm -hmm. could have been a good horror movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they would just insert needless, stupid 
comedy bits into yeah. it with you know Charles B. Pierce being the center of them. I mean, it was padding. And None of them was, were oh, totally padding. Well, so were some of the murder scenes were padding too. I mean, yeah. how long did Don Wells crawl through a cornfield? <laughs> yeah. The world's yeah. thinnest and shortest yep. cornfield. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Soundtrack was a crime. Oh, my God. The soundtrack, the soundtrack was, not was great. the most horrifying part of the movie. But like you said, it did look good. It did. I was it actually w- really surprised how it looked good very it looked cinematic. and how good of a copy we had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, they must have restored it at some mm-hmm. point because yeah. it almost looked high definition. In, looked like, well, darn what, good. what an old film in right? high definition sure. would look like. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it is It is considered kind of a cult classic. So. Yeah. 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 Well, and I guess you, you, I'm sure you have to, to some degree, forgive some of the ridiculous plot holes in investigating for the fact that this is a true story. So yeah. I don't know how many creative liberties he took with the investigation well, in that whole some. process. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, Obviously, of them, the one murder yes, scene, one which murder I shall scene. not mention, <laughs> the was, one murder was scene. made up. But, but well, like, they, she did die, but not <laughs> yeah. in the method that no, was displayed. Unfortunately, because what a what a method. Mm. Um, but like, Sad so trombones. some of the stupid investigative decisions that they could have made just might have been what they did yeah. back then. So I don't know that you can necessarily fault it completely if it's following what literally happened yeah. um but yeah i thought yeah I, it was enjoyable was it good i don't know about that but it was enjoyable to watch i mean it wasn't good we did spend a lot of time talking to the movie i that will say true. that which does not i mean it was mostly it was them very... trying to convince us that the murders took place in the middle of the city oh my god the deep night which was not night yeah and getting to see the hose, like literally seeing the rain, hose. the rain and the cameraman, of and, course. Well, in his defense, <laughs> they could have just been filming a different movie and that was just the train that Fair. went by. <laughs> it could have been a Werner Herzog documentary That's on true. trains. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I guess we could probably move on to our our, our rating of it. Uh, for those of you who have not tuned in, how dare you, but the rating scale is uh, solid C, C, skip, or solid skip. And we will start with the person who's looking most puzzled, and that would be Sarah. Always, always the most puzzled. Um, I think I'm going to give this a C. I, it's like a soft C, for sure. It's not an overly enthusiastic one, but I do love kind of crappy horror movies. They are very fun to watch. It was well shot and everything i think the performances that stood out stood out for a good reason the storyline itself is an interesting storyline and it is a cult classic for a reason so if you enjoy kind of campy horror and also are just interested in the true story of it yeah it's you're not gonna hate it so i'll say soft c glenn I'm going to give it a C as well. Yeah. And I'm. I, it's not a solid C because I wouldn't recommend it to most people. But anyone who likes B-movies, oh. you know, cult classic type movies would enjoy this movie because it is well done. So I, I say a C, definitely. Uh, it's Charles B. Pierce. I have to give it a C. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I would ever not recommend Charles B. I mean, I would give Boggy Creek 2 almost a solid C. <laughs> Uh, This is probably, I mean, it's not bad enough to be at that level, and it's not good enough to be Boggy Creek, the original. Yeah. And you have to remember, he was probably making these on pretty slim budgets as well. So it's kind of impressive that he managed to cobble together. I mean, the original Boggy Creek was made for $160,000. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it made, I think, 
it's it's suspected that it made twenty five million. It made a good 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 bit of money. That's Sorry, I should talk into my microphone. Um. So yeah, that's two uh, three C's. I'm giving it a C. So that's three C's. Um, it's on Apple TV. You can rent it. I wouldn't necessarily buy it, but I would rent it. Uh, and with that, we move on to a little something I like to call the podcast hosts that dreaded the next segment. <laughs> you want me to hold the chicken, huh? What's the one thing? Do you expect me to talk? Why don't you just make ten louder? Surely you can't be serious. Do you like apples? I'm asking you who's on first. Is it safe? You talking to me? You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You want answers? Well, do you, punk? Johnny, what are you rebelling against? Shall we play a game? Short for a stormtrooper. What's in the box? Hey, is it my imagination or is it getting crowded here? That's right. It's the trivia round <laughs> where Glenn goes up against Sarah to see which of them can guess the best. And each week we have five questions uh, revolving around something to do with uh, this week's film. And the five questions this week are in honor of the greatest of all cinema auteurs, Charles B. Pierce. Excellent. Question number one. Charles B. Pierce was born in Hammond, Indiana. But which of the following is notable about Hammond, Indiana? <laughs> is that A, the 2020 census found that the city had exactly the same population number as the 1950 census? <laughs> B, in 1972, it became the first city in Indiana to win the Little League World Series. C, it is the only city in Indiana to share a border with the city of Chicago. Or D, it is the birthplace of Munster cheese. <laughs> wow, these are a couple of these out of the blue. I so mean, listen, they're all enough to get you on the map. Share a border with Chicago, and the yes. only city in Indiana. Okay, okay. Um, Munster cheese. Delicious. World Series. And what was the first? The 2020 census found that the city had exactly the same population number as the 1950 census. All right. I'm going to go with Munster Cheese. Okay. Because gonna, it's the okay. dumbest. I mean, sure. I'm going to go with the census because it's ridiculous. I like that too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I will say B is close because in 1972, it became the first city in Indiana to become second place in the oh, Little so World close. Yeah. But the actual answer is C. It is the only city in Indiana to share a border with the city of Chicago. That was the most that? boring one. So yeah, therefore, I didn't pick it. Uh, yeah. I tricked ya. you. Question <laughs> number two. One of Charles B. Pierce's early jobs in entertainment, which would earn him a certain amount of reputation in his adopted home state of Arkansas, was playing a character on a children's television program. But what was the name of the character? Oh, God. Was that A, Mr. Laugh-A-Lot? <laughs> B, Mayor Chuckles, C, Grumpy Gus, or D, Clappy the Clown. I hate all of those. They're terrible. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll go with Chuckles just because his name's Charles. All of them sound like the start of an after-school special. Um, I'm going to go with Mayor Laughs-A-Lot. Is that what you said? No, it's Mr. Laugh-A-Lot or Mayor Chuckles. We're going to go with Mayor. Did you go with Mayor Chuckles? No, you went with the clown. I went with no, the you want Chuckles. chuckles yeah. Oh, and then I'm going to go with Laughs-A-Lot. That's the one I wanted to go for. I'm about to change my answer. Uh, I will say the name of the show was Mr. Laugh-A-Lot something, but his character was, in fact, Mayor Chuckles. Well done. All right. Glenn on, on the, the board. board. Question number three. Twelve years before the bad movie masterpiece that is Boggy Creek 2, <laughs> Charles B. Pierce directed The Legend of Boggy Creek, a film that turned out to be both a critical and financial success. 
This would have been a welcomed relief to the owners of what kind of company who helped put up the $160,000 budget? Was that A, a local hamburger restaurant, B, a local trucking company, C, a local hardware store, or D, a local canning company? Wow. So who's going who's gonna to risk that kind of money? I don't say, I don't think a restaurant's going to do mm-hmm. that. I'm going with a trucking company. I'm going to go with a hardware store. It's watch. It's the canning company you watch. It's gonna be the freaking The answer is in fact B, a local trucking. Oh, darn it! Well done, sir. Look Thank at you. you. Breakaway. Mm. Question number four. Part of Charles B. Pierce's unconventional life in filmmaking included collaborating with none other than Clint Eastwood. Indeed, he served as a co-writer on which of the Dirty Harry films? Was that A. Dirty Harry, B. Magnum Force, C. The Enforcer, or D. Sudden Impact? Up going with Dirty Harry. Going with the original. Gonna go with sudden impact. The answer is in fact D, sudden impact. Sarah's on the board. Where in fact he's credited with penning the now immortal line, go ahead, make my day. Oh, nice. Question five. By the end of his life and indeed after it, Charles B. Pierce began earning recognition as an important American filmmaker. Every year, the Little Rock Film Festival in Arkansas presents the best film made in that state with the Charles B. Pierce Award. And today, he is often considered as one of the first modern independent filmmakers. But the failure and arguably poor quality of Boggy Creek 2, which he considered his worst film, severely limited his output later in life. He would only direct three more films one of which was a children's Christmas film, and the other two were westerns, one of which, Hawkins Breed, starred which 1960s counterculture icon? Was that A, Dennis Hopper, B, Peter Coyote, C, Arlo Guthrie, or D, Peter Fonda? What year was it made? Uh, It was made in 1987, I believe. Hmm. It's not on the question, but I think it was 1987. Run those four guys again. A, Dennis Hopper. Uh B, Peter Coyote. C, Arlo Guthrie. Or D, Peter Fonda. Going with Peter Coyote. I'm going to go with Arlo Guthrie. Uh, If Sarah is correct, she will have tied. Oh, God. And we will have to go to the tiebreaker question, Mm. which I did not write. Thankfully, she is not correct. (laughs) Perfect. You're welcome. (laughs) The answer is, in fact, D, Peter Fonda. Oh, wow. And with that, we crown Glenn, this week's winner of the trivia round. And he has passed the great gift bag of award. Which what he will now it's very light. Be? He will now live live open on microphone. And un- it's unbagging. nothing. No, it's, a, it's a guitar pick. Nice. Ooh. And why is it a guitar pick? It's because it was sitting next to me on the desk and I had forgotten <laughs> to put something in the, the bag. Best prize. <laughs> Congratulations, Glenn, on your victory. Listen, what you could have had was nothing. So <laughs> there That's you true. go. <laughs> I was really hoping for the uh like the loaded dice here. You will not touch the dice. And now <laughs> we move on to recommendations, where we each recommend something worth checking out. My recommendation this week is very much related to the subject of this episode, and how every career has its peaks and its valleys. I am recommending the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode featuring Boggy Creek 2, and the legend (laughs) continues. I believe it's one of the best episodes of the entire television series, and it is how I first learned about Charles B. Pierce, for better or worse. Nice. Glenn, your recommendation. I love your recommendation, and the way you found it, too. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm going to recommend another kind of a cop movie. Mm. This one is from Ireland, and it is 
from 2011 no, starring no, Brendan no, Gleeson yeah, yeah. and Don Cheadle called The Guard. Oh, excellent, yes. excellent movie. Excellent and then what was the other Brendan Gleeson film that came out around the same time that was also he was playing a similar character? I can't remember the name of it. As a cop in 2011, I, I think he was. I mean, he played. He was in Lake Placid, which was a no. Horror. That's an entirely different. Yeah, film. Uh, I mean, it was an Irish film that he was in. Not uh, in Bruges. No. Apparently, the new film is good too. I have not seen. Yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I want to see that. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the name yeah. of that either. This is a useless <laughs> film podcast. Uh, Sarah, your recommendation. Um, I am recommending a 1995 classic because I watched it over the weekend again and loved it just as much as the you know first hundred times that I've watched it. And that is a an Aaron Sorkin film starring mm. Annette Bening. American um, president. And is it's it American, American president? Pre- yes! Of course, it's American Michael president Douglas. and Annette Michael Bening. Douglas and Annette Bening, a fantastically charming Michael J. Fox. Every single person in that film is likable. Yeah. There is not a performance that I have a critique of. It's a yeah. great. Uh, Martin moving. Sheen yeah. as chief of staff before he became president. Before he became the, the president, president and went on to greater things. But it just, if you <laughs> love the West Wing slash just a ve- very good, feel good, intelligently written movies, yeah. this is a movie for you. It's yeah. anybody could watch this and enjoy it. Agreed. Also, I will say if you like the West Wing, you will notice some of the lines. <laughs> yes, from- very much so. Aaron Sorkin lifted him from himself. He yes. did. And you know what? They were great in that. They're yeah. great in West Wing. I have no complaints. But yes, American president. The movie you were thinking of is The Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah, right? It is indeed. Well yeah, done. Yeah. Came to you. Did just now. I like that film as well. Yeah. <laughs> I just like Brendan Gleeson. I do too. He's very good. Uh, and with that, we've come to the end of another episode. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. And if you have, please like and or review and or rate and or you know the drill by now on your favorite podcast platform I'm of choice. I'm definitely going to do that. All of the above. Yep. Yeah. I'm told it helps. Of course- I'd also like to thank my co-hosts Glenn and Sarah, and I ask you all to join us next week when we will take a look at another film, the viewing of which may, in fact, be better with booze. And I leave you with this one final thought. If you have a breathing problem, maybe don't wear a bag over your head. And of course, come on, you hatters. (laughs) 